It is good to be with you today. It's good to be able to worship God and be able to see uh, so many of you, some who have not been able to be with us for a while. We're glad to be able to be together. And it's good, of course, to have the students here this morning. We look forward to starting a new year. I think maybe everyone is here today with the exception of Aaron, who is preaching this morning, and that probably explains why it seems so much quieter. And uh, you can be sure and tell him that I said that. I want to invite your attention this morning to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be looking at a passage toward the end of this chapter here in just a moment. I think probably you would agree that much of our life seems to be spent in the pursuit of balance. Balance is defined, dictionary definition, as the state of having your weight spread equally so that you do not fall. It is the ability to move or to remain in a position without losing control, spiraling out of control or falling. It is literally the equality between two points or two extremes. As we consider our lives, I think most of us again would agree that we spend a great deal of time looking to strike the perfect balance between the number of obligations and various events and things that we have going on. We look for balance between our time spent at work versus our time spent at home. When we sit down and we prepare our budget at the beginning of every month, we are looking for a balance between perhaps the money that we spend on leisure versus the money that we spend on needs and on generosity. We look for balance between the effort that we give toward things in life that are luxuries versus the effort or the energy that we give toward things in life that are needs and necessities. We're constantly looking for balance in our life. But what we need to realize this morning about balance is that it is something also that is necessary for our spiritual lives. Job said in Job 3, uh, 31 in verse number 6, let me be weighed on honest scales, or King James translation, let me be weighed in an even balance so that God may know my integrity. Solomon said in Proverbs 4, verse 26 and 27, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left, remove your foot from evil. Again, focus on that statement at the end of verse number 27. Do not turn from the right or to the right, rather, or to the left. We're talking about being focused. We're talking about being balanced. We're talking about looking for that equality between two extremes. Spiritually speaking, balance keeps us from loosing where God has not loosed and binding where God has not bound. Balance will help to do away with bias and opinion, and it will focus always on a thus saith the Lord. Balance is something that enables us to contend for the faith, Jude verse number 3, while at the same time preaching the truth in love, Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Balance is what helps us to be confident without being arrogant. Balance is what helps us to oppose and rebuke error and those who sin, while at the same time loving and thinking the best and practicing kindness. 
Balance is so very important. As someone has said, blessed are the balanced. But what we also have to recognize about balance, not just is how important it is and what it looks like, but we also need to know that balance is not an accident. Balance is something we all need, but balance is not something that is going to happen just over time. Balance is something that is going to happen over time as we work toward making it a reality. And so as in everything, we must turn our attention to God and his word. The thing about balance, again, by definition, it is the equality between two extremes. And if we're looking for an equality between two extremes, that means by necessity that there has to be a reference point. That means there has to be a standard of some kind for determining what makes one extreme and what makes the other. And as in everything, God's word, that's our reference point. God's word is our standard. God's word is what's going to help us to determine balance. I want us to look at a passage in God's word this morning at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now we're going to take this passage out of its context a little bit today. But I want us to focus on two principles today that are found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Paul says in this passage, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will both save yourself and those who hear you. Save yourself and those who hear you. Salvation, that certainly is something that is important to each one of us. Our desire is is to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the rest that's been prepared for you from eternity. That's what we all long to hear. We want salvation to be a reality for us. So this passage should catch our attention. Salvation for ourselves, but also salvation for others. You will save yourself and those that hear you. We think about those within our sphere of influence, our children, our friends, our spouse, our family members, whoever it may be. Our desire is to go to heaven. Our desire is for them to be in heaven with us. And Paul says, Timothy, here's how you can make that a reality. Take heed. Take heed. It's the idea of being watchful. Imagine a magnifying glass, if you will. You take a magnifying glass and you open up a book perhaps or some uh, sort of map and maybe you are looking through that magnifying glass and you're looking very carefully and very closely. You're studying every detail to try and find whatever it is that you set out to find. Take heed, be watchful, take a magnifying glass and take a look at yourself. But in particular, there are two things that we're to be watching in this passage. And I want to suggest to you that if we can, if we can accomplish being watchful and taking heed to these two things, then we'll be able at least to be on our way to finding balance. And in finding that balance, the result will be salvation for ourselves and those who hear us. This morning, we're going to focus on the first. Take heed to yourself. Tonight, we'll look at the second, to the doctrine. But I want us to step back this morning now, and let's take... Uh, some time to think about what the Bible says as it pertains to how I am to watch and to view myself. First of all, the Bible teaches me that as it pertains to taking heed to myself, I need to be careful not to think too highly of myself. 
I need to be careful not to be arrogant. I need to be careful not to think more of myself than what I should. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3, the Bible teaches us that every man ought to be careful not to think more highly of himself. You remember the parable in Luke chapter 18, verses 10 to 14. We have a parable in these passages of the, uh, of the Pharisee and the publican. And you may remember that the Bible tells us, as Jesus explains this story, that these two men, the Pharisee and the publican, that they both go to pray. They both go to worship. That the Pharisee goes and he says to the Lord, I thank you, God, that I'm not like all of these other men. I thank you that I'm not like this publican. I fast and I tithe, that I do this and I do that. And then on the other hand, you have the publican whom Jesus says is not able to even lift his eyes up into heaven, but rather prostrates himself before the Lord and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus asked the question, which of these two do you suppose went to his house justified? And the answer is obvious, it's the publican. But here's what I want you to get from this. What's the setting? What's the context Luke chapter 18, 10, the Bible says that Jesus spoke this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. It's a parable that has to do with thinking more highly of ourselves than what we ought. The Bible says that if we're going to think highly, if we're going to glory, that we need to glory in the Lord. Let not the wise man glory in his might or in his wisdom. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let not the mighty man glory in his might or in his strength. But if anyone glories, let him glory in this, that he knows me. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. I will glory in nothing but Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 31. I will glory in the cross, Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 14. Similar to our discussion this morning in Bible class from Philippians chapter 1. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If there was going to be any boasting, if there was going to be any glorying, it was going to be only in Christ and Him crucified. It was going to be only in the gospel. It was going to be only in the things of God. We have to be so careful not to think too highly of ourselves. We cannot become arrogant. We cannot become haughty. We must be humble. We also have to recognize now, as we're looking for balance in this area, that not thinking too highly of ourselves is not equal to not thinking anything of ourselves. It is true that the Bible will say on the one hand, you cannot be haughty and arrogant, but it's also true on the other hand, that the Bible will teach us that we shouldn't be described or characterized as someone who has, say, a low self-esteem. Someone whose head is constantly looking at the ground. Someone who's constantly thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. That's not what the Bible teaches. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 5 is an important point here. As the Apostle Paul describes his work, as the Apostle Paul describes the fact that he doesn't need, like so many others, letters of commendation so that when he goes from place to place, he can carry this letter with him and present his credentials. He says, look, I don't need those things because he says, you are our letter. You testify of my credentials, if you will. But then in verse number five, he really tells us what they are. He says, for... Our sufficiency is of God. I want you to think about that statement with me just for a moment. What does it mean to be sufficient? In simple terms, it means to be good enough. And so Paul says, the thing, the one 
who makes it good enough. The one who matters the most, the one who gives me my value, the one for whom, I, the one of whom rather I am, I'm really thinking and the one whom I'm serving, he's the one that gives me what I need. That's God. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. I was a blasphemer, Paul said. I was injurious. I caused the church harm. I was nothing and I was nobody but an enemy of the cross. And yet God showed mercy and grace unto me in Jesus Christ our Lord. He has counted me faithful. He has enabled me, putting me into the ministry. Though I was and am still the chief of sinners, yet, verse 16, he, counted, he uh, showed grace and mercy unto me. And so now, therefore, I am become a pattern so that those who would come after me can... I'm paraphrasing now look at me and say if God was able to save Paul then God is able to save me now this is not a haughty arrogance but rather it's a humble self-confidence balance is finding the center point between being prideful and thinking too much of ourselves versus not thinking anything of ourselves and what the Bible teaches us the balance is a humble confidence knowing that yes it is true we're all we're all unprofitable servants at the end of the day, Luke 17, verse 10. It is true, Romans chapter 5, that we are the enemies of God, or at least were. Yes, that's true. But it's also true that we're created in the image of God. It's also true that God loves us and that God has sent his son to die on the cross for us and that God's desire is for us to serve him in a way, to serve him faithfully with this humble confidence knowing our place in the grand scheme of things and yet knowing that God loves us and that God's going to provide for us and that we're his people and so therefore we're the victors. We've got to be careful not to think too highly of ourselves. Number two, the Bible tells me as it concerns myself that I need to be careful not to deceive myself. Do not deceive yourself. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 8 John says, if anyone says he has not sinned or I have no sin, he is a liar. He has deceived himself and the truth is not in him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18, Paul says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 3, the Bible says again, be careful lest we deceive ourselves as we go about uh, trying to help those who are caught in a trespass. How can we deceive ourselves? Let me suggest two ways it can happen. There are more, but let's look at two. Look at James chapter 1, two verses. James chapter 1 and verse number 22 and James chapter 1 and verse number 26. Notice what they say. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Do you see it? Deceiving yourself. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. Uh, James says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. Let me illustrate to you what this looks like in practical terms. A person attends every service of the church, every worship service of the church faithfully for a period of, let's say, 50 years. Hears hundreds, if not thousands, of sermons. Sits through hours and hours and hours of Bible class. Comes to all the work days. Even occasionally teaches. 
in Bible class now and again, generally a good person, usually dependable. Not much negative can be said about him. But he gets to the end of life way, life's way, and as he stands before the judgment bar of God, as it turns out, he deceived himself for all of those years. Because though he came to every service, and though he heard thousands of hours of preaching and teaching, and though he even taught himself and participated in service, he never took the time to actually apply the things that he heard and even the things that he said to his own life. We sometimes call it practicing what we preach. And what the Bible teaches us in this passage is that we can listen to God's Word. We can listen to it for hours and hours on end. We can even memorize it. We can commit it to our memory. We can think about it. We can work in it. But if we never actually take the time to apply what we hear and to do it, then it's as if we never even heard it. He says, you've deceived yourself. Look at James 1 verse 27, or verse 26 rather. Here's another way. Adding to what he just said in verse number 22, look what he says here. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is what? This one's religion is useless. Chapter 3, you remember James will talk at length about the tongue. He'll start the chapter by talking about teachers. And he'll say, my brethren, let not every one of us be teachers, knowing that we will receive the, the greater or the stricter judgment. And then he launches into this discussion about the tongue. And I would suggest to you that the connection is that a person who's going to teach God's word is in essence acting, if you will, as a spokesman for God. And so they're going to be held accountable for every word that comes from their tongue. But in principle, the application is in general to, to our tongue in every circumstance. He says you've got to be careful. He says no man can tame the tongue, but I would suggest to you the emphasis is that, that God can. And what James is telling us is to allow God to train our tongues, to bring it under his control. But back to James 1, verse number 26. Go back to our illustration. We have a person who seems, at least on the surface, to be faithful, who seems to be everything that God would have him to be. But the problem is he never learns to control what he says. And James says you deceive yourself in that situation because your tongue can invalidate and make useless every other aspect of Christianity. I don't know about you, but that's a sobering point. Something that catches my attention. Be careful to make sure that I'm a doer, not just a hearer. Be careful to make sure that my tongue doesn't invalidate everything else that I'm doing. We've got to be careful not to deceive ourselves. Number three, we're looking for balance. We need to save ourselves. We've got to be careful, number one, to, take, to uh, not think too highly of ourselves. We've got to be careful, number two, not to deceive ourselves. Number three, we've got to be careful. We've got to make sure that we save ourselves. Acts 2 and verse number 40. As Peter preached, the Bible says that he said to the multitude that was gathered there on the day of Pentecost, save yourself from this wicked and untoward or crooked generation. One thing that we have to realize is that my salvation is my responsibility. Quite a, novel, quite a novel concept in a world, in a society in which almost literally everything is somebody else's fault other than mine. 
I think about the old Jamaican hymn that is sung all the time over there. If I should die and my soul should be lost, the song goes, nobody's fault but mine. Philippians 2 and verse number 12, the Bible says, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Again, we live in an age, we live in a society where the rule of the day is if something happens and you do it, you blame somebody else. You never take responsibility for your own actions or for your own words. What the Bible says is that on the day of judgment, the eternal destiny of my soul is ultimately my responsibility. Save yourselves, Acts 2 and verse 40. Work out your own salvation, Philippians 2 and verse number 12. Now you may be thinking, how does this apply in a discussion of balance? Let me suggest this application. This can become a danger in a number of different areas. Take evangelism just as one case in point. Sometimes we become so, we become so busy about doing the work of evangelism, we're focusing outwardly, we're focusing on others, and we're focusing on teaching others so much that we stop, or we don't take the time to stop and teach ourselves. The same can be true in parenting. We put so much emphasis in trying to teach in our children and give our children the things that they need that we neglect our own spirituality. It can be true in preaching students. We spend so much time worrying about writing sermon, uh, building sermons and writing articles and do, uh, going about doing the work of a preacher that we don't take heed to ourselves. It can even be true, elders, in shepherding. Because the responsibility of overseeing and shepherding a flock can be so great that we can spend so much time and energy and put so much emphasis in the souls for which we're responsible that we don't take the necessary time for our own soul. Balance. There is a balance. There is a center point between taking care of our responsibilities toward other people but in the same time neglecting our responsibility toward ourselves. We've got to find a balance. Save yourself. Number four, we've got to deny ourselves. Deny ourselves. Don't think too highly of yourself, number one. Don't deceive yourself, number two. Save yourself, number three. Number four, deny yourself. You remember the call to follow Christ in Luke 9 and verse 23. If anyone desires to come after me, let him, Jesus says, deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily and let him follow after me. What is self-denial all about? The best way that I know to describe it is like this. God's priorities come first. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God, he says, that you, be, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Do not be, he says, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When, God, when, when uh, Paul talks about presenting our bodies as a spiritual sacrifice, what he means is that you lay your life down on the altar of sacrifice and service to Christ Jesus. That his thoughts become your thoughts. That his priorities become your priorities. That his work becomes your work. Self- Sacrifice. Paul says in Galatians 2 and verse number 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by the faith of the Son of God, meaning I live by the direction of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we talk about denying ourselves and God's priorities becoming our priorities. This is going to have an obvious impact. It's going to impact our financial decisions. It's going to impact how we spend our time. It's going to impact our level of service to God. It's going to mean that we're living for the glory of eternity and not the passing pleasures of the day. But now let's strike the balance. It doesn't mean aestheticism. There have been and still are some in our world who look at passages like this and say, okay, and so they completely cut themselves off from the world rid themselves of all of the things that are in this world that in and of themselves are not bad, but I direct your attention to 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, you instruct those who are rich in this world's goods that they do not trust in uncertain riches, but he says rather that they be willing to give, that they be willing to help, and then at the end of the passage, he talks about how God has created all of these things for us to what? For us to enjoy. Paul was not an aesthetic. He recognized that there are material things in this world. He recognized that there are things that God has created in this world for our enjoyment, for our pleasure, that are not in and of themselves sinful. So there's the balance. On the one hand, we deny self. We make sure that God comes first, that God's priorities are our priorities, and that as we align and pattern our life, we do every every area of our life is designed, is, is structured around God and the kingdom first. But that doesn't mean that we have to run away into the hill country somewhere and hide from everything that exists in this world either. Find the balance. Number next, control yourself. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. Or self-discipline is the idea. Paul says, I run. He's talking about running a race. He talks about training to run the race. And then he says, I discipline or I buffet my body daily, lest I become a castaway. He's talking about self-control. Self-control. One of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22 and 23. One of the Christian graces, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. Self-control. But it also has to do with spirit, what we might call spiritual discipline. Like 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 7. Paul says, exercise yourself unto godliness because that's where the benefit, that's where the gain is to be found. Again, we're looking at balance here. We want to to have balance. We're talking about self-control. We're talking about self-discipline. It's similar to our previous point about self-denial. Are there things in this world that we can spend our time doing that are not sinful in and of themselves? Yes, we have to discipline our time. We have to make sure that we discipline and, and use that time right. God gives us money. He gives us things to enjoy richly. First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 17. It is not wrong to enjoy the blessings that God gives us, but we have to discipline ourselves. Make sure that we use them in a way that glorifies God. Spiritual discipline, prayer, study, meditation, personal devotion. How much time are we dedicating to those things? Number last. A well-balanced life pays attention to self and works hard to keep itself away from the world. 
James chapter 1 and verse number 27, pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We have this discussion, this contrast between light and darkness found in the pages of God's word. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 1 John chapter 1 verses 7 and following. And we must walk in the light that context teaches us. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove or expose them. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 11. We're to have nothing to do with the darkness, the things that exist in this world. We cannot be worldly. We cannot be carnal. We cannot be materialistic. However, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. Paul said, I wrote to you in a letter before not to keep company with a brother who is called a fornicator or adulterer, not even to eat with the person, but he says, I'm paraphrasing, he says, I'm not talking about those in the world, meaning non-Christians who are doing this, for if that was the case, you'd have to what? You'd have to go out of the world. See our previous point about denial. These last three really kind of build upon each other. They go together. Deny ourselves, meaning we make God's priorities our own, but that doesn't mean we have to be monks that are aesthetics. We're to control ourselves. We're to have discipline in how we use the blessings that God gives us. But again, that doesn't mean that God, uh, that, that doesn't mean that God uh, is not okay with us enjoying the blessings that he gives us. We're told to keep away from the world, to be unspotted from the world, not to be worldly. But again, that doesn't mean that we literally walk out the exit sign, out the, uh, out the door that, that exits the world. It's not possible to even do it. Can't stay in our homes forever. There is a balance to be found. Paul says, um, take heed to yourself. It's about looking. It's about watching. Knowing that God's word is our standard of measurement. So in every one of these areas, how we view ourselves. Don't think too highly of yourselves. We don't think nothing of yourself either. The Bible will teach us. Don't deceive yourself. Hear the word of God, yes. Study the word of God, yes. Make sure you do practice the Word of God also. Number three, save yourself. Focus on others, teaching and preaching, parenting, shepherding, whatever it may be. But also, make sure you don't neglect your own salvation in the process. Number four, deny yourself. Make God's priorities your own. But that doesn't mean you have to be an aesthetic. Number five, control yourself. Have self-discipline. But also know that it's okay in a proper and appropriate way to enjoy the blessings that God gives. Number last, keep yourself away from the world. But that doesn't mean you have to stay in your home for the rest of your life either. As we go to God's word and allow God's word to be our compass, to be our guide, it will help us to be able to navigate through the the course of this life as we strive to find balance. Tonight we'll look at the second part of this, doctrine. Keep watch, he says, of yourself, take heed to yourself, and take heed to the doctrine. What does that mean? Hope you'll come back and worship with us again this evening as we uh, explore that together. Been off the Lord's invitation this morning. It may be that there's someone here tonight or this morning that has a desire to respond. Are you a Christian today? You know, the Bible teaches us that God's desire is for all people to become his children, for all people to be Christians. The Bible says that he sent his son into the world to die for the world, for that purpose. John 3 and verse number 16. That that God's desire is for all to come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. 
The Bible says if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24, that if we're willing to repent of our sins, Acts 3 and verse 19, confess our faith, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of our sins, Acts 2 and verse 38, that God will add us to the church, Acts 2 and verse number 47. Are you ready to become a Christian today? Maybe today you are a Christian and you're thinking about your life and you're thinking about balance and you say, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not striking that balance like I should. Can we help you? Can we encourage you? Can we pray with you? If you have need this morning, we invite you to come forward and let it be known while we stand and sing the invitation song together.